Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Oh, those pesky pinwheels. Up 1-0 in their opening round playoff series against the Los Angeles Lakers after a heroic and highly entertaining 193 win in Orlando. Game one goes to the eighth seed, the Western Conference champs, the second best team in the NBA, record-wise that is, down 0-1. Let's talk about it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate Damian Lillard. We're going to appreciate, we're going to take a segment to appreciate Damian Lillard. We've done that a lot here, but we're going to do we're going to do it some more cuz the man deserves it. Then we're going to talk about the Blazers starting lineup, some lineup changes, little tweaks we saw. And then the third segment, I want to answer the question how do the Blazers make it a 2-0 lead? Cuz I think there's some straightforward answers. I think we got some clues. But let us start it's kind of this, I get this feeling a little church ceremony. Let's bow our heads and thank whoever we thank for Damian Lillard. Because boy howdy is that gentleman fun to watch play basketball. You are watching the greatest blazer of all time. Do not get it twisted. This is the best player to ever wear the uniform. If he isn't now, he will be soon. And Damian Lillard was kind of just predictably awesome. Not in this otherworldly way 34 points on 9 of 21 shooting doesn't blow you away five boards five assists turn the ball over three times this isn't these aren't the numbers of someone who was so magical unless you watch the game and i am going to bet dear listener that you watch the game and then you could appreciate what dame did and what he did was Set the tone right away. He made five of his first six shots and had 15 points in the first quarter. A lot of time in the first quarter, first quarters of games, Dame will kind of feel out defenses. He'll figure out what they're going to do with pick and roll coverages. He'll figure out what the help defense on the second layer of defense behind the pick and roll coverage is going to do. He'll figure out where the help's going to come from, kind of get into his rhythm and make sure other guys get touches, make sure other guys get going. Not today, not against the Lakers. Hell nah. The person he decided to get going was him. 15 on 5 of 6 shooting in the first quarter. Blazers led by as many as 16 early. And it's not like, I don't mean to say that like scoring 15 in the first quarter is this thing that we should all celebrate and we'll remember where we were when Dame had 15 against the Lakers. But that set the tone. And what it brought me back to was the Oklahoma City series when he, the opening possession of the series, he took a three from 29 feet or whatever it was, 27 feet, like a few steps beyond the three-point line, took a right-wing three. It was the not effing around statement by Dame. I'm not here to, no games. And this first quarter tonight against the Lakers, it didn't have that same sort of emphatic moment, but the way that he just decided to go get his offense was clear that Dame was going to try to try to take control and was going to show off his fearlessness right away. There was no waiting for Lillard time or waiting for the clutch. Here's the thing, though. 
He came up big in the clutch, and that's what makes him so special. He set the tone early. He slammed the door shut late. Before we get to the door, or I, I guess I used the uh, breaking dam analogy in the story I wrote for NBC Sports Northwest. You can check that out on the internet, nbcsports.com northwest. I almost never plug things I write, but hey, uh, it's after playoff games. I'm back in personal promotion mode. But regardless of the metaphor that you uh, choose to describe it, here's how it went down. Dame didn't make a field goal in the third quarter. And to close the third and begin the fourth, um, the Lakers went on 11-0 run. They led by six. It kind of looked like, uh uh-oh, this game's going to slip away. You know, the Blazers have been so good, but game might slip away. But Blazers gamed. They they do what they do. They've played a million close games. They didn't buckle. um, So they, they stayed in it. And with... Just over three minutes left. Hassan Whiteside blocked a LeBron James layup. Crucial block. Whiteside looked a little overmatched. We'll talk about him more in the second segment. Looked a little overmatched in this game and then came up huge down the stretch. So Hassan blocks that shot from LeBron James. Blazers get the ball. And Dame, he doesn't race the other way. It's not like he's flying down the court. But you can tell he's kind of getting into his rhythm. He's saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um... But it's it's still pretty much everybody back like in a semi-transition mode. And Hassan Whiteside sets a screen two steps inside half court. And Damian Lord comes around that step, that step up screen, as they call it, and drills a 37-footer to put the Blazers up three and break open a tie game. This was after Dame had turned the ball over and given up a layup in a in a, 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 a sort of a scramble with Tavis Caldwell Pope, but a 37-footer. Just a shot that no one else in the world takes. There's one dude in the world who takes him. His name is Damian Lamont Ali Lillard, and you get to watch him all the time. I want you to take a moment to appreciate that. Appreciate that no one else is going to do that. And it isn't outside of his... It's certainly not outside of his range, but it's not outside of like a reasonably good shot. Dame taking in, walking into a square your shoulders you know, step into a 37-footer is a pretty good shot these days. He probably shoots above the league average from 35 feet that most people do from 23 and a half. He's just, he's someone who does, he's doing something that no one else does. And you've got to, you I encourage you to just take a moment to let that sink in. He's, he's really special. He's just so, so fun. So a couple things happen. One, the Lakers take a timeout because Damian Lillard just hit a 37-footer. And the, like, inner, it's not in arena, but it's the, it's like Lakers game ops. I don't exactly know how game operations works in the bubble, but the Lakers are the quote-unquote home team, so I think they get to choose who plays the music, and they play Blow the Whistle, which is a pretty... Uh, the Blazers play it during their intro music. It's not that uncommon, but it is a track by Oakland's own Too Short. And Dame dances to the Oakland anthem, the town anthem. In the middle of a playoff game after hitting a 37-footer, Dame goes dumb. He told the TNT broadcast after the game that he had to go dumb for a second. Which is, uh, if you're not familiar with, it's what you do when you hear Too Short come on. You gotta go dumb for a second. Stupid dumb and high feet. Lakers come out of the timeout. And they don't score. But they know, they've heard about this Damian Lillard character by now. 
So they double team him hard. Hard trap. This isn't a soft trap or kind of step up around the screen and corral him. Hard trap when he comes across midcourt. What does Dame do? He finds Carmelo Anthony. Splash. Three. Blazers have a stranglehold on the lead. Next trip down the court for the Blazers. Again, a hard trap on Dame. He finds Melo. Melo gets the ball to Gary Trent Jr. Splash. Blazers hit a third crucial three-pointer. They close the game in a 19-6 run. And Mello and Gary Trent Jr. deserve credit for stepping up and hitting big shots. These are the exact types of shots that other Blazers role players in the past just simply have missed. But Damian Lillard drew the attention, made the right play, got all eyes on him, and trusted his teammates to do what they do. Tuesday's Game 1 was maybe the fifth best game Damian Lillard has played out of his last five. And he was still the best player on the court. And he changed the game. Set the tempo, set the tone early. And then brought the Blazers home down the stretch. Appreciate what you're watching. Appreciate that you get to watch it. He's been so much fun. In the second segment, let's talk about his teammates. Blazers changed up some lineup stuff. We got a new starter. Uh, There were some other positives from people not named Dame. So we'll talk about in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about DoorDash. You know what DoorDash is. It's the app that brings you food. You want Chinese food. You want pizza. Craving some Froyo. You got, y'all still eat Froyo out there? Well, if you do, it's on DoorDash. They'll bring it to you. Here's how it works. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off. There's already 300,000 businesses that are on DoorDash across the USA, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, so you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains. And right now, my listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA one more time so you get it and you use it. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right. So we talked about Damian Lillard. I encourage you to appreciate him. I don't know how long this playoff run lasts. It certainly got extended today by the Blazers beating the Lakers, and we'll talk a little bit more about how convincing or how legit game one was in the third segment. But I want to spend a little bit of time talking sort of nuts and bolts of what the Blazers looked like in this game, because uh, there were some notable things. The most notable being that Wenyan Gabriel started. Zach Collins missed the game with a left foot, left, excuse me, left ankle inflammation. Uh, unclear what his status will be for game two, but he was ruled out, you know, a day before game one. So I'd say it is dicey with that he would be available for Thursday's game two. Seems relatively unlikely the way he left Saturday's game and the way he was quickly ruled out ahead of Tuesday's game. So we might be seeing more Wenyan Gabriel and quite frankly, cool. Blazers started Dame, CJ, Carmelo Anthony, Wenyan, and Yusuf Nurkic. That group was pretty good. 
um, not, you know, not, not, not changing your life, but when Gabriel got the job, got the assignment on Anthony Davis. And while I thought he looked a little physically overmatched at times, he was so clearly the best option to guard Davis. Uh, his length, his energy, the dude just plays hard all the time. Um, he posted a plus minus of pl- of 12. Um, I don't know what that really speaks to, but I, but he was, he felt like he was a positive and the Blazers outscored the Lakers when he was on the court. He had a really rough start to the third quarter, got yanked after playing just a couple minutes, but he came back in the fourth and had some, had some more positive minutes. He started out the game, had the game's first points, um, cutting baseline and went up quickly, something that he hasn't really done where he just sometimes gets a little hesitant down low because he's not super strong and going up in traffic requires some real strength. He had an early block. He had a leak out dunk. Um, he just plays hard. He does. He just, as my joke goes, he's shaped like an NBA player and a long one at that. And he's, he's, I, it's weird that I'm saying this, but he's the Blazers' best option to guard Anthony Davis. At least as currently constructed. Um, in theory, Zach Collins is that player, but we don't know Zach's health. And quite frankly, if he comes back, we don't know what in what stage of health he'll come back in. So Wenyon is their best option. That also meant that Carmelo Anthony guarded LeBron James. And while I do think LeBron was maybe maybe didn't force the issue very much offensively, uh, he took 20 shots, second most on the team. But he wasn't, you know, just I think the box score belies maybe um, his just like overall aggressiveness. He was he was awesome in this game. You know, 23 points, 17 rebounds, 16 assists. He was just. I don't know if he really asserted himself like I think we might see him do in the future. You know, he only took seven free throws. I think that's a relatively low number for him. Um, I'm not saying that LeBron was... He didn't have one of those like 2011 NBA Finals where he was weirdly passive. uh, And I think some of it was the Blazers' defense. But uh, this wasn't LeBron in absolute go mode. And I I think... Anthony did a perfectly commendable job on him. And I thought the most sort of heartening thing about Anthony guarding LeBron James was that you could tell he was into it. I don't think Carmelo's Anthony, Carmelo's Anthony, Carmelo's issue is that he doesn't care on defense. I think it's that he is not a naturally good defender. So he has to put a lot of mental effort in to make sure he's doing it right. He gets caught up on stupid switches. Um, Sometimes he doesn't help particularly well or with much effort but if the ball's like in front of him and he and he is and he and he's like trying to guard the person in front of him he's always been engaged that has never been his problem and you can tell he's super engaged trying to guard LeBron James um you know he he he, like almost everyone on the Blazers' front line, got in foul trouble. He had five fouls. Wenyon had five fouls. Wenyon, Wenyon's final line, I, I should have mentioned this when I was talking about him, four points, three rebounds, three assists, a block shot, and five fouls in 15 minutes and 53 seconds, in 16 minutes. Um, he made his only two shot attempts, passed up another one that he definitely could have taken. Uh, he was fine. And Mello's stat line is, is not particularly significant to the point I'm trying to make. He finished with 11, 10, and 5 assists. But I thought he was engaged with LeBron, and I thought LeBron should have tried to just barrel past him a few times and use his speed. Uh, he did it once, I remember, early in the third quarter, and I thought, why doesn't he do that, excuse me, early in the second quarter, and thought, why doesn't he do that every time down the floor? Like, go ahead and go get him. I thought that was a little bit curious. The other sort of lineup thing that we saw in this game was that Nurk and Hassan played a bunch of minutes together. That put Nurk on Anthony Davis and Hassan Whiteside on 
very sparingly JaVale McGee, but a lot, but a little bit of Dwight Howard. Um, it was, this is a, this is a specific matchup where that works. Like that is a, that is a reasonable pairing for these two. I don't think it, uh, hurt the Blazers offense too, too much. Don't think it was too much of a detriment on defense. It definitely helped the Blazers on the boards. Um, a place where they've kind of been getting killed in their last couple games. They they got some important rebounds. And like I said, uh, Nurk and Hassan both got in foul trouble. Um, and so Wenyan had to come back in and kind of save them there in the fourth quarter. But Hassan came up with two crucial blocks. One at, at about the four-minute mark blocking Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And one at, with like three minutes and 20 seconds left that set up Dame's 37-footer. Those are the two biggest defensive plays of the game. Um, so that was wasn't with both bigs in there, but I thought both bigs played well. Uh, Nurk had a really, really hot start and then kind of slowed down. He was awesome early in the game. Uh, I think we'll see more of them together. Um, this is this is probably the only team that you can consistently do it against, um, and I thought the Nurk pairing was, was good in general. Um, Blazers didn't go too deep into their bench, and one sort of newsy thing um, uh, sounds like we will not see Nazir Little in the playoffs. Um, he did, he wasn't going to play in this game anyways, but he was he's inactive for this game. Apparently, he went to an optional shooting practice and fainted. And since he when he, after he fainted, he was diagnosed with dehydration, and he's still kind of dealing with that recovery. Um, you'll remember that Hassan Whiteside or Hassan that Nazir Little also. Um, suffered a concussion at practice falling um in one of the blazers final practices of the bubble of the before the seating game started so he you know he's been dealing with some sounds like a lot of neurological and just body weirdness not pertinent to this game but i want to mention it because it's blazer news and you were listening to a blazer podcast uh and I, in theory Little could be an option to guard LeBron James. Like he's he could be someone who they just throw out there to commit some fouls and play some minutes. But he's he's it doesn't he's gonna he's out for at least two more weeks. So it sounds like could be an extended absence for him as as the Blazers just try to make sure that he's fully healthy. Um, because obviously there there's some strange stuff going on with him. We got to see a little bit of Mario Hazonia. It's mostly bad Mario today. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. had his one of his worst games in the bubble, and yet um, still hit a crucial three. You know, he only made one three pointer. Two of he was one for four from three, and and two of them he missed. He hit the side of the backboard. Like my guy was just missing terribly, but he found the rim when it mattered. Um, he got to check LeBron a little bit. Uh, he was fine, but he was. We've seen Gary Trent Jr. be much better than that, and that's what I want to talk about in the third segment. Why you should be optimistic that the Blazers can do this again? That game one wasn't a fluke, and game two is imminently winnable. Talk about that in the third segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. You know about Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. That's what it is. It just tastes really good. That's their trick. Comes in 18 amazing flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they got a great texture. They're soft, easy to chew, and they're great for the health conscious among us. So if you're looking for a delicious snack, hit up a Bill Bar. If you're looking for a little protein boost, hit up a Bill Bar. It's low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, as I mentioned, high in fiber. Great for the keto diet. You're trying to maintain ketosis? 
grab yourself a Built Bar. Built Bars are highly reviewed, highly rated in my home, and they will be highly rated in your home, so try them. How do you try them? You go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's right. Promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Lockdown Blazers. And we're still talking about the Blazers' game one win over the Lakers. We talked to Damian Lord's magnificence. Appreciate the man. He's just so damn good. Talk about the Blazers' rotation stuff. The non-dames who played well and how Terry Stotts managed some of his new rotations. Now I want to talk a little bit about why I think a 2-0 lead is maybe not likely, but certainly reasonable. And here's why. The Blazers didn't the Blazers did not play out of their depth. No one it wasn't one of those games where one role player went nuts. CJ McCollum who was really good down the stretch to kind of keep the Blazers in it while uh while Dame was having a, a relatively quiet third quarter, didn't make a basket in the third quarter, didn't make a basket in the second half till there was less than eight minutes to go in the game. But CJ was really good during that stretch when the Blazers needed him. Yusuf Nurkic had 10 and 10 in the first quarter and finished with 16 and 15. Only had six and five the final three quarters. Carmel Anthony was three of 11, had 11 points, didn't shoot particularly well. Gary Trent Jr., two of eight, five points on two of eight shooting. No one had a game. No one on the roster had a game that was an outlier. Dame was just normally very good. He didn't even go full on Hercules, Hercules. He was just really dang solid. So one of the things that will change in game two is that the Lakers will make some three-pointers. They were five of 32 in game one. It's not good if you're scoring at home. Contavious Caldwell Poe 0 for 5. Danny Green 2 for 8, but it didn't feel like it. He airballed one, hit the side of the backboard on one. Markeith Morris made his only three pointer. Felt like he was fine and should have played more, but um he's a he's a weird piece. You kind of have to play him at four, and it's it's he doesn't necessarily fit with the Blazers or with the Lakers' best lineups. Although he's a solid complimentary bench bench part. Alex Caruso 0 for 3 from 3. Kyle Kuzma 1 for 5. 5 of 14 from the floor. He looked like he had some moments where Kuz was going to be a difference maker. But in general he just missed some shots. Anthony Davis is going to shoot better too. He was 8 for 24 from the floor. 0 for 5 from 3. He will shoot better. But in general... The Lakers are not a good three-point shooting team. They're going to make more of than five for 32, but to think that they're going to shoot 40% from three as a team seems relatively unlikely. The Blazers got a little bit lucky. I think the Lakers missed some, some wide-open makeable threes that really would have swung this game. It was close throughout, um, and, and just like a couple more made threes is a big game-changer. But I don't think... 
I don't think the Lakers are going to suddenly get a bunch of better three-point shooters. You know, maybe KCP knocks them down. Maybe Danny Green finds his rhythm. He's a good shooter who hasn't shot well since the season restarted. But the Blazers don't have a ton of outside shooting. I talked about this in the preview episode that I posted on Sunday and Monday uh, with Anthony Irwin of Locked on Lakers. He mentioned it too, that the Lakers just don't have three-point shooters and that's their weakness. I mentioned it yesterday in the mailbag episode is that the the Blazers' big weakness in a lot of ways is just like they, they struggle to scramble and guard the perimeter against teams that have shooters, but it's particularly against guys who can get into the paint and then you have to... Ro- it's guys who can beat guys... beat. Blazers defenders off the dribble and get into the paint and then you have to help and and rotate and recover. And LeBron James can certainly do that. But when you're rotating and recovering to Alex Caruso and, you know, a a way below average three point shooter, it, it changes the calculations a little bit. If Anthony Davis is hitting threes, it certainly has is going to open things up for the for the Blaze for the Lakers. But he wasn't. And I don't think that that is going to be. I don't think there's a radical shift coming in the Lakers' three-point shooting. Their shot quality was really just totally fine in this game. I don't think I think the Blazers played competitive but not particularly good defense, and the Lakers just aren't a good shooting team, so they didn't make the shots. Here's some good ones, though. Here's some numbers that I think really illustrate why I, I think 2-0 is a reasonable expectation. LeBron and Anthony Davis combined to shoot 14 of 21 inside the restricted area. When they got into the paint and got around the rim, they made 67% of their shots, two-thirds of their shots. They were 3 for 21 outside the paint. The Lakers in general as a team, 25 of 43 from inside the restricted area. That's 58%, slightly above league average. League average is like 56. Outside the paint as a team... 9 for 54. That is an MF nightmare. But that's kind of who they are. Anthony Davis took a lot of mid-rangers because the Blazers did a good job of being gigantic and keeping him out of getting directly to the rim. Blazers played a little bit of zone in this game. They played with both bigs on the court, so the with Hassan and Nurk. So the rim the, the lane was crowded. Around the rim was crowded. They, you know, Wenyan Gabriel gives them length. I don't know if he's this like elite defender, but he's a perfectly effective defender in terms of just make it a little bit hard. He's done a really good job buying into that credo. The Lakers are going to score if they get out in transition and get buckets at the rim and get fouled. They got the foul shots. They didn't really, they didn't make a ton of them. But they're not going to rain down threes like maybe some other opponents have against the Blazers recently just because they don't have great shooters. They are going to make more threes in Game 2. Anthony Davis is probably going to be play better in Game 2. LeBron James, I would imagine, will be much more aggressive getting his own offense in Game 2. But nearly every person on the Blazers roster can play better offensively than they did. There is no crazy outlier game that happened for the Blazers. There is nothing that was that was obviously unsustainable that happened on the Portland side. And some of the problems that the Lakers have are their like systemic issues, are like actual uh, are their actual flaws. They've been bad on offense in the bubble, and they were bad on offense again tonight. The Blazers have real hope. And I'll leave you with this. When the game ended, 
the Blazers did not celebrate. In fact, that was the message from Damian Lotus, that we came here to do more. We came here to win three more games. Don't celebrate. That was just one. Got three left. Blazers aren't celebrating because they view this as a very winnable series, and in game one, they proved how winnable it was. Because of how good their point guard was, and how solid the rest of their roster, how capable the rest of the roster looked in this specific matchup. Lakers might come out with a really sobering performance in Game 2. But you've watched the Blazers do what they do for two and a half weeks now. This group keeps games close and finds way to win, finds ways to win down the stretch. They did it in Game 1. Don't be surprised if they do it in Game 2. There's a real chance on Thursday night, Thursday evening when I record this podcast, we're talking about a Blazers 2-0 lead. I'm not predicting it by any means, but I'm saying it is a very real thing based on what we saw in Game 1. The Blazers match up well with this team, and Damian Lillard was the best player on the floor on Tuesday night. That's going to do it for today's episode. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.